starting to sound a little like Christmas to you? The <laughs> Christmas banquet last night with Advent starting and Christmas music. I'm, uh, I'm thinking we're getting there. We've begun the journey. It was supposed to be getting better. That's what they promised. That's what they promised. It was supposed to be getting get better. I mean, we came out of the dark ages into the enlightenment. We came from darkness. We came into light. And we are apparently on an upward evolutionary trajectory where things are getting better and better and better. We've been told uh, that, uh, that with, with all of the improvements in the explosion of knowledge, with education available, um, we, we've been told with, with being more informed and more sophisticated, uh, we would become kinder and gentler and more caring, and our world would be a much better place in which to live. And with the incredible progress of, of technology, uh, we could live longer, we could live better lives, we could have more quality in our lives, and, and uh, we'd be able to do good things for people all over. And, and the politicians have assured us that if we put them in place, it will get better because they have the formula to make everything better. And it all sounds rather empty when you look at reality. The knowledge didn't seem to help us. The education hasn't made us kinder and gentler and better. Politicians have let us down time and time again. I, I just, it's so fascinating to watch what's going on in the States. And, and the backlash against the choice of the president-elect. And how that even has, has seeped north of the border into Canada, where we're talking about it, and, and people are, are uh, out there on the streets, and, and, uh, and it just sounds so empty, and technology that promised so much good for us has been something that we not only used for good things, but we used to assault each other, and to harm, and to kill, and, and to spy on, and, and all of that kind of thing. It's interesting, uh, Chris Hodges uh, comments on the dark and macabre situation. He says, the modern industrial warfare may well be leading us with each technological advance to our own annihilation. All the things that we did that we hoped would be good and would improve our lives have a negative sense. We have places in the world where poverty is so dire and pervasive that people will never climb out of that hole uh, with poverty, uh, with, with education. They're stuck in a bad place. And with the proliferation of, of violence and instability and threats 
and terrorism and corruption and injustice. It's tough. It's hard to say. It's hard to be hopeful. Is this better? Certainly it's not better at all. And I think it has bred a sense of hopelessness. The optimism for our world has kind of dissipated in among all of that. And there tends to be a general pessimism. And we've uh, tried to ratchet up our own sense of hopefulness, but sometimes it's tough because you have to be realistic too. It's been said that if you can extinguish hope, a person will lose the will to live. I see people who feel hopeless. They feel hopeless about the job situation. It's not happening for them, and they've tried, and they've tried, and they've applied here and there, and nothing is happening. I've seen people who have received devastating medical reports, and, and, uh, and that has been hurtful, diagnoses. I've seen people who've struggled with addictions and don't seem to be able to beat it, and, and it just knocks them down further and further. Several years ago, I received a call from a woman uh, in our congregation, um, an older woman, a quite older woman, and uh, she called me and said, I'm really concerned for my grandson. I don't like the way he's sounding and the way he's talking. She said, could you, could you talk to him? And she was particularly concerned for the time. And she told me where his apartment was and where he lived. And, and I went and he opened the apartment to me. And I told him his grandma had called and that I'd come to see him. And we had a long talk and he was suicidal. And he had thought of what he would do and how he would do it. And I said, man, Mark, you can't, you can't do this. You can't, you can't check out. There's reason to be hopeful. He had a tough upbringing. His uh, mom and dad separated when he was very young. His dad was an alcoholic, and Mark was also an alcoholic. In fact, his drinking was such a problem that, that he would drink uh, mouthwash, he would drink um, perfume, anything that had alcohol in it. He was that desperate in his life. And we talked, and I said, look, Mark, you need some help. Let me take you to a hospital. And, and I took him into London, and, and we worked, and we got him into a hospital to get some help and some treatment. And his grandma was so thankful for that. It was probably a couple years after that that I got up one winter morning and uh, went outside, and I looked down the street. And I saw police cars down the street, and I saw police tape. And uh, I began to walk down to see what was happening, and it was this grandma's house. And I said to the policeman, I said, I'm this woman's pastor. Can you tell me anything? He says, I can't tell you anything. Um, and I can't let you across the, 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 the police line. I said, would you tell her that her pastor was here? And she called me. And I found out what had happened that was tragic. Here's a young man, a young man who in his life really had all the promise that any of us have. But life was so desperate and so hopeless for him. He'd been in and out of detox centers and, and uh, nothing had really worked. 
and uh, he was he was succumbing to his demons, and um, I found out that about one in the morning, he went into the garage of his grandma's house, doused himself with gasoline, and lit himself on fire. He ran screaming out of the garage uh, as like a human torch. And I looked at the place in the snowbank where it was like a snow angel with little cinders. I did his funeral, and his grandmother gave me his books. He journaled in these programs, and she gave me probably six or seven books about that thick, each of them written on both sides. And I began to read through some of his tortured life, his hopeless life. That month, I conducted funeral services for two suicide victims. No hope, no reason to go on living. What a terrible and tragic situation. We're told by Stats Canada that the fifth leading cause of death in Canada is suicide. Do you believe that? Suicide. And it's the second leading cause among death among young people between the ages of 10 and 24. Tragic. People who've given up. People who think life is hopeless. There's, there's no reason to go on. I, I can't justify living. But over the centuries, God spoke messages of hope to his people. In the passage that was read for us this morning from Isaiah 9, um, there was a picture of, of a devastating time, but a hope that God held out for his people. A hope uh, for them uh, that in the birth of a baby and in the giving of a son, this one who would be called Wonderful Counselor, the Prince of Peace, the Everlasting Father, uh, this one uh, whose the government would be on his shoulder and he would bring a change sounded a note of hope. But because of persistent disobedience, God would bring judgment upon his people. He would bring a a, a devastating judgment upon them. A judgment in which the Babylonian Empire would come in and crush the rebellion of the Israelites. Fully and finally, they would come in in 586. They would break through the wall that they had laid siege to the city. They would tear down the walls. They would go into the, the temple and destroy it and take away all of the gold vessels and everything. Uh, they would, they would uh, plunder the people. They would destroy the city. They would kill people and they would take captives and deport them almost a thousand miles away back to Babylon. There was a sense of hopelessness in it all. It was a desperate time. And and Jeremiah, who wrote both before this time and through this time and after it, writes a a piece in the Bible. It's a funeral dirge. It's a song of grief. It's a lament. It's called the Book of Lamentations. And right in the heart of this desperate song of, of hopelessness, there flickers a light of hope. 
Lamentations 3 and uh, verse 19. He says this, I remember my affliction and my wandering and the bitterness and the gall. I remember them well. My soul is downcast within me. Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I hope. Next slide. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. Here they are in in a foreign country. Here they are uh, with, with their captors saying, hey, sing us some of those good old songs for Zion. We can't. We hung up our hearts, we, our harps. We can't sing. We're devastated. It, it, it's hopeless. And in the midst of this, he says, but because of the Lord's great love, we're not consumed. There is hope for his compassion never fails. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will wait for him. See, hope causes you to hang on and wait and trust and look to God. And that's what happened there. You heard read for us this morning, Isaiah chapter 11 in the first three verses. He says this, A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse, for from his roots a branch will bear fruit. You know, it's interesting, probably so devastating, and I I know we we had a tree that we cut down right at our office door. Um, It was was encroaching on the doorway. It was just, it was a security problem, and, and we had to cut it down. We cut it down, and it's interesting how, how shoots started to grow. There's nothing more devastating. Here's a picture of a, uh, here's a, picture of a tree uh, that has been cut down. And, and you devastate it. You, you just you get rid of it. But look what happens. That stump begins to grow, these branches. And, and, and in, in Isaiah 11, here's what, uh, here's what uh, the author says. Uh, go back, uh, go back, uh, yeah, that's good. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. Next. Next slide, please. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. You think, this is done for. It's hopeless. He cut it down. And yet God promised from that cut down tree, from the stump that was there, from the root of Jesse, that's David's father, there's going to be a branch that's going to grow, that's going to provide hope in this terrible world. And and here we are. For unto us, A child is born. Unto us a son is given. This breathes hope. Well, at the time that Jesus came, it was pretty hopeless too. The nation had been under foreign occupation by the Roman Roman government. They didn't have self-determination. They paid taxes to them. They lived... But Jesus came, and he brought hope into this world. The first thing he brought hope for, he brought hope for a new world. 
We don't realize this, I think, the depth of this, that everything was corrupted when we sinned and we broke the relationship with God and God cursed the earth, that the whole earth uh, was cursed. And uh, everything was corrupted. Everything came under the effect and the cause of things. God, uh, things are not as they should be. The world that we see, as beautiful as it is, and it's spectacular. We see the glory of God everywhere. It's not as it should be. In creation, there are, we have famines. We have killer storms. We have disease. We have predation among animals. We watch them tear each other to, par, uh, to pieces. Uh, we see poisonous animals and, and snakes and noxious weeds. And, and, and uh, it's, it's not as God intended. And do you know that there's a hope for the world, for the earth? Um, here's, what, here's what the Apostle Paul says in Romans chapter 8. He says, For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God. Creation is waiting for us to be glorified, for us to have new glorified bodies. Let's go on. For the creation was subject to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of, of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and the glory of the children of God. In hope. Next. And we know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. The world is under the curse. And because of Jesus and what he will do, he's going to release it from the curse. And creation is saying, oh, we want out of this. There's a hope. There's a hope that's coming. Well, uh, that's why when you hear some of the words in joy to the world, let heaven and nature sing. Uh, no more let sin and sorrow grow, nor thorns infest the ground. Far as the curse is found, God will release that. There is hope through Jesus Christ. Well, secondly, there's hope for a new birth. There's hope for a relationship with Christ. Um, uh, in 1 Peter 1 and 3, it says this. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he's given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. See, we're told, Paul tells us, that we are dead spiritually in trespasses and sins. When I was in college, um, uh, I was contacted by one of the funeral homes there, and somebody who plays the organ for them was going to be off on a couple weeks' holidays. And they said, would you consider coming and being the organist for two weeks? We'll call you when there's a funeral, you can come and play. And, and being a poor student, anything I could do to make a couple of dollars, I was willing to do. And, and so I remember sitting, the, how they, they had their chapel here, and they had this little cubby hole, and the organ was in this cubby hole. And outside was a set of curtains. And if you've been to a funeral, you, 
you know that there may be a time where the family will have a final viewing and everybody's done that. They close the drapes, the family has a few moments, and then they close the casket. And uh, while, I was, while I was there and, and playing the organ, um, I noticed that a person that I, I think was the daughter of the person who had passed away was speaking gently to her father over the casket, and she began to get more and more emotional. And now it was getting loud, and it was getting embarrassing, and I could watch the funeral director, and he, was, he didn't know what to do at the moment, and he was fidgeting. And, and now the woman is almost pulling her father out of the casket. She was distraught. And I thought about that. Everything she wanted to say couldn't be received. He was dead. He was unresponsive. And we had, at a time when it was hopeless, uh, we were, the scripture says in Ephesians uh, chapter 2, that we were dead in trespasses and sin. We were unable to, to, uh, to respond to God. We, we, were, we were unresponsive, just like that man was unresponsive to his daughter. But God made us alive in hope, in hope. Uh, and, and, and so he, he talks about this new birth into a living hope. There is the possibility now. We can respond to God and to his grace. We can be forgiven by him and made part of his family. And he can fill us and, and he can give us empowerment to change our lives and sometimes the mess that we make of them and the terrible things that we do. He can give deliverance and power for that. And we're responsive to God. And Peter says, I want to tell you about, there's a living hope that we have in Christ because of what he's done. And we have new birth. But that hope is good for something else. That hope is good for endurance in your faith. It's interesting in um, 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 1, the Apostle Paul says uh, to the believers there. He said, we always thank God for all of you and continually mention you in our prayers. We remember before our God and Father, here's the things that he commends them for, your work produced by faith. You've got a living faith that works and your labor prompted by love. Out of love, you guys serve. And look at this, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. You ever feel like giving up? You ever feel like throwing in the towel and forgetting it? It's just, it's too hard. It's too much. It's, I, I, I came to a point, uh, I was, I went as a mature student to, to train for ministry. And uh, I was doing five years in four. So I took as many as seven courses in a semester and I always took summer school and, and uh, i about burnt myself out. By the end of the third year, I was ready to quit. Um, I, and, and Gerda was kind of scared because I said, look, at, I, you know, I mean, I, I'm fried. I, I'm, I'm going to check out. You see, all of us get subjected to, to times in our life when, when things are tough and, and, and we, just, we don't know whether we're going to make it. And he says there that there is this, there's this hope 
this endurance that is inspired by hope. That there's something we have to look forward to and, and that we ought not to check it out, but uh, check out of it. But we need to continue to trust in God and hope and look forward. Um, I run a little bit. I call it running. Um, some people may have a different to waddling or I don't know, something like that. But one of the, one of the, one of the places where I go and I run... Um, uh, there's a there's a stormwater pond which you know they put these all over different places and and they have a, a a nice pathway around some of these and I I've been really taken by uh, a scene or, or that I that I've seen so when they do this they they dig out the topsoil they put down gravel and they put um, they put pavement over it so it's a nice paved path and the the problem is that there's a little seed that was dropped in there at some point. And I was amazed. I just want to show you the picture. There is, in the middle of this concrete, something that has been able to force its way. It's not been in nice topsoil. It's been in gravel. It's been compacted down. You've got to compact it. And then you, you put the, the, the black top on and you, you put that down. And here, out of that, grows something. And I'm going, are you kidding me? I can't grow things in my garden. How does that happen? Um, and, and there's this, there's this, who would have given that seed a chance? Nobody. Who would give that a chance? But somehow, God gave that plant the strength to keep going and to keep going and to push its way up in adverse conditions where, where it's not nicely watered with nice topsoil and all the rest of that. And I think when I saw that, I mean, I just, I just was amazed at that. And I thought, you know, some of us go through tough times and, and how, do you, how do you keep going? And well, there's hope. There's a hope, and it, that hope kept the Apostle Paul going. It, it kept him moving forward when, when he would have quit otherwise. And there's an interesting twist in this that as I was studying, I'm looking at Romans chapter 5. In Romans chapter 5, and uh, verse 2, it says, um, he talks about we're justified by faith through, and through Christ whom we have gained access by faith into this grace that we now stand. And uh, is, that, is that the first verse in that? Um, he says this. We glory in our sufferings. Are you nuts, Paul? You glory in your suffering? He says, just hold on before you think that I'm nuts. We glory in our suffering because we know that our suffering produces perseverance. And perverse, perseverance produces character. And character produces hope. Now, wait a minute. Wasn't it the hope that keeps us going? Yes, it's the hope that keeps us going. It's hope for a better future. It's like saying, hold on, because there's something better coming down. Don't give up. Don't do that. It produces hope. And then the next, the next slide, please. 
And hope doesn't put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. Here's how it turns around. You have hope to keep going because God doesn't waste the experiences in your life. God takes and uses those experiences. He he lets you go through some tough times to make you the person that you could never be. And he wants you to keep going and trust him and, and, and hope for that preferred future. But he said, it comes back this way. When you see yourself persevering like that, when you see God developing character in you and making you the person that you could never otherwise be, he said, that gives you hope. It's kind of like a circular thing. You hope, and, the, and, and when you see what happens through that, it causes you to hope, and it says, you know what? I really am a believer. I really am a child of God. Look at what God has done, because I couldn't have done that myself. And the Apostle Paul was so incredible in, in terms of his trust of God in all his stuff, all that he went through, and uh, he hung on. Why? Because he knew there, were, there was a better future coming. And he gives us lists of all the things he went through. But it never stopped him. He kept going. And I want to tell you, there's, there's a hope that will provide the endurance that you may need in your life to get through a tough time. There's also hope to share. Um, The sense of hope that we have in our life as Christians, when God puts us on display with people who don't know Christ, is supposed to have an effect on them. Uh, Look what it says in 1 Peter 3. It says, but in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Treat him as, as your Lord, revere him in that way, and always, listen to this, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Do you know what God wants to do? He wants us to so live our lives that people can see a hopefulness in us that other people don't get. I think that's such a critical thing. I remember one, uh, one woman who was dying of cancer. And um, I went in to see her in the hospital and she was, uh, she was nearing the end of her journey. And she was, she was just, she was a wonderful person. And she was a bit of a jokester. And she was so, uh, she, she had such a good, firm grip on her faith that she was not, she wasn't fi- fighting this with terror and, and uh, anxiety. She, she had a sense of calm. And, and the nurses would come in and say, Margaret. What is it about you? What is it? What's this hope that you have? And, and the hope that we have should be the kind of hope that inspires people to say, hey, what makes you tick? I, like, I see what you're going through. I see what's happened in your life and with your family. And I see what's happening with you or with your health or whatever it is or financially. And, and, and how do you do that? <sighs> Give me an opportunity. I want to tell you the reason why I have hope. Because I have a God uh, who is Lord in my life. I've got a God who has a destiny for me. I have a God who's taking me on a journey, and, and I can trust him. And, and boy, that's what we need. I, 
I, a number of years ago, I was privileged to hear Dr. Yosef Tsan, uh, who was a, Ramo- uh, a uh, Romanian church leader under Ceausescu in, uh, in Romania, communist, and they hated him. And in the, in the city that he lived, he, would, he had a, uh, uh, an SS guy who would harass him, beat him, imprison him. He was in and out of jail, beaten, uh, threatened, and, and whatever he did, he could not stop Ceausescu or, 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 or uh, Josef Tsan from loving and, and being positive and looking, and, and looking forward in hope. And finally, the man came to his house in tears. And he said, what is it about you? What is it? Why won't you hate us? What? He had a hope in Christ. That was the conversion of that SS agent. He saw the hope. Tell me, what is it that makes you tick? You know, our lives should inspire that kind of hope in people. And finally, there's a hope for eternity. There's a hope for eternity. We, we read about the hope that the creation has, that it's going to be fixed, that there'll be a new earth and a new heaven, and, and things will be as they should be. But when we read on in that same passage, um, the next verse in Romans cha- chapter 8, he says, not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit, grown inwardly. That's us. We groan inwardly as we wait for our adoption to sonship. You know what that is? That's when we get the full thing. That's when we get the new body. That's when we, we get out of the struggle of this life. We groan in as we wait, because hope is always about waiting. It's persevering. It's looking to something better that's coming. Uh, as we wait eagerly for our adoption is, uh, to sonship. The redemption of our bodies. Continue, please. For in this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. For who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait patiently for us. He said there's something coming. There's something that is going to be so fantastic that's coming. And and you know what? If, If you hoped for something for Christmas and you received it, you don't hope for it anymore. See, there's a time we won't need hope because it'll be realized. There'll be a time when we don't need faith because we don't walk by faith. We'll, we'll walk by sight then. And we won't have to worry about hope because we'll have whatever God has for us. And, um, and that's why the Apostle Paul could say, you know, the, suffering, the sufferings of this present world are not to be compared with the glory that's going to be revealed in us. And something in us, as we struggle sometimes in this life, longs to go home, longs for that glory, that time when we won't need hope, when it will be a reality. Um, in our family, uh, my grandmother was killed. A grandmother who, who was very significant to me as an infant, uh, praying over me, loving me, uh, caring for me, and she was killed by a drunk driver. So uh, the only memories I have are what people tell me, what my grandmother did with me. 
My grandfather died when I was 15. And uh, as a young teenager, I remember going to the, because he lived with us uh, part of the year. I remember going to the cemetery and uh, laying his body to rest in the ground. And um, several years ago, one of my cousins who had a little girl, and this was a a tragic, tragic accident, um, was doing something as simple as a two-and-a-half-year-old with the kids were all having hot dogs at lunch. And a piece of the wiener got stuck in her throat. Her parents were in the other room, and they didn't know. By the time they got there and called emergency, I remember getting a a phone call about this and, and praying desperately for little Christy. And the Lord took her home. Two and a half years old, I, I remember she looked like a little china doll in a white casket in a beautiful little dress. Heartbreaking. And she was buried with my grandmother and my grandfather. And again, our family gathered at that place. And something has happened in those funerals in our family. We all stood around. They began to sing. They began to sing these words. There's a land that is fairer than day. And by faith, we can see it afar. For the Father waits over the way to prepare us a dwelling place there. In the sweet by and by, in the sweet by and by, we'll meet on that beautiful shore. And in the midst of the pain and the sorrow, faith began to rise in that family as we stood around there. And we realized that there's something beyond this world. There's there's an eternal hope that we have with Christ. The Apostle Paul would say, we grieve, but we don't grieve like those who have no hope because we have hope. And as Valerie, and we just, just pray for her as her dad will be laid to rest. And, and this came rather suddenly and a little bit unexpectedly for them. But there's hope in those moments. And that's so important. If you're not a Christian, my prayer is that you would sense that there's a hope you need. And that hope is found in Jesus Christ who came at Christmas and began that whole uh, human journey uh, to save our souls. There's hope in him. If you'll put your trust in him, there's a hope for your eternal future. And you may be struggling with some stuff, and life is really difficult for you, and you feel like, you feel like throwing in the towel. I want to encourage you to hope and to endure and hang in there. Because it is worth it. And we don't, always, we don't always get out of this life scathed. But there's something coming that is so great and so wonderful. And I want to encourage you to hold on. And I want to encourage you to live the kind of life that causes people to say, man, what, what you and your family are going through, I mean, that's incredible. Um, how do you do it? Let me tell you about the hope I have. Let me tell you about my Savior, Jesus Christ. There's a hope for us. Let's pray. Father, as we come into this Advent season, we prepare our hearts 
to celebrate again. And we prepare our hearts to receive you. For when you come back, we would be ready. Father, I pray that you would fill our hearts with a hopefulness that comes from Christ and what it means for us to be with him. Father, I pray that you'd help the people that are struggling right now. Would you give them a sense of hopefulness in you? They, for those who need to endure and to hang in there, Father, would you give them strength in that? Father, for those who, who perhaps don't have hope in Christ because they've never opened their heart and life to Christ, would you encourage them this day? Would you open their understanding and eyes? Would you make them alive and help them to respond to your grace? And Father, may we spread that hope wherever we go, the wonder of Christ, the gift that we have to give others. It's in his name that we pray. Amen.